Now, we've been doing a sermon series based on the first church and the four major disciplines that they participated in. One was they were devoted to the fathers or the apostles' teaching. Two, they were devoted to the fellowship. And we all do a good job at that, I'm telling you what, at fellowship. Three, they were devoted to uh, communion or breaking of bread or that's worship. And four, they were devoted to prayer. And we've spent a lot of time on the first three, and now we're launching in to the devotion to prayer. What matters most at times is simply prayer because that's all the only recourse that you have left. If you've tried everything else, then it's time to pray sometimes. Now, what, I've call, what I want to call this sermon series, it's going to go on for a while. I think it's going to be very interesting for us because ultimately we'll see a lot of repetition in the application of prayer. But we're going to go through the Bible, maybe, you know, one prayer out of each book of the Bible. And maybe we'll just see what the Lord leads. I don't think I can find one in Leviticus. I'm not joking about that. It's just true. There's not many prayers in that book. But I'm calling this sermon series Portraits of Prayer. And the first one is going to be found in Genesis chapter 32. If you brought your copy of God's Word, Genesis chapter 32, 32. And I've titled the message Jacob's Prayer, Jacob's Prayer. And so you get your Bibles and you go there and we'll start out in verse 7. And I'm going to give you just a little bit of background. Jacob, of course, Matter of fact, our pastor had talked about this a couple of weeks back about how he stole Esau's birthright, his, his twin brother. Now, long story short, Esau, Esau wanted paybacks. He wanted to scalp him. He wanted to get his scalp, kill him, get him. So Jacob left the country and went and uh, found him a kinfolk, Laban, his uh, mom's brother. And uh, Jacob lived there, and he started serving there. He served for seven years and got swindled and tricked where he, got married. he wanted to marry Rachel, but he got Leah instead. Then another seven years, he finally got Rachel. Then another six years raising up goats and sheep and all sorts of stuff, and he decided he would, uh, God told him to go back to his homeland. So this, make, try to shorten this story down a little bit. Laban didn't really know about it, or Laban, or whatever you want to call him, L-A-B-A-N. Write that down and pronounce it however you want. And... He, that's another long part of the story, but, but they eventually Laban and Jacob made peace, and Jacob was going back to home, but there was one problem. Anybody know what it was? Esau. He was, af- he was afraid that Esau was going to get paybacks after 20 years, 20 years. And so he was afraid, okay? Now, there's fear is a real, really real thing. And we have it. I, like, for instance, there's people that are afraid of the dark. For instance, I was, and I remember how my mom cured me. Didn't really cure me, made me worse. She took me and put me in the basement and closed the door. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. You know how she taught me how to swim? She took me and threw me in the deep end. Swim. Anyway, that's not the way to cure somebody of being afraid of the dark. Didn't work. I still have nightlights, so just so you know. But what about heights? You're going to, yeah, afraid of heights. Some people are afraid of spiders and snakes, spiders and snakes. And that's just, you know, stuff that most of us are. But what about being afraid of conflict? Most of us don't like conflict, and the ones that do are bullies because they know that you don't like conflict, so they're going to abuse you. You ever think about that? I did. I thought about it today. But fear also, I remember this back when the pandemic started. The run on toilet paper. And actually, people were fighting in the toilet paper aisles, weren't they, son? 
fighting over toilet paper. Why? Because of fear. I'm going to stink. Was that what it was? Not only that, but then the TV, and you got to be careful what you believe on the TV, they were starting to, to cry out, meat shortage. Meat, you remember that? Meat shortage. <sighs> and so people would run and clean out all the meat, but it wasn't really a shortage. And this causes a bandwagon effect. Fear causes a bandwagon effect. Where people go, meat shortage, toilet paper, what am I? <gasps> and fear just takes over. Now, but fear, I want to talk about Jacob's fear. And let's read this. And this is Jacob's prayer. And all I'm going to, the only application of this is what can we learn from this prayer? And how, what can we learn from it and take from it and put it into our prayer life? Because God really answered this prayer in an amazing, miraculous, mighty way. It actually already answered it. Okay, so let's look at the text. Matter of fact, I'm going to pick up in verse 1. And then read to as far as I think I need to. I've, been, I've read a lot of this recently, uh, you know, this last week preparing this message. So I've read it several times. So verse 30, or chapter 32, verse 1. Jacob also went on his way, and the angels of God met him. When Jacob saw them, he said, this is the camp of God. So he named the place Mahanaim. Jacob sent messengers ahead of him to his brother Esau in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. He instructed them. This is what you are to say to my master Esau. Your servant, Jacob, says, I've been staying with Laban or Laban or Laban, whatever you want. I don't know how it is. I guess I should have gone on Google. and Laban, thank you. Yeah, you're okay, Laban. And have, reminded there, and have remained there till now. I have cattle and donkeys, sheep and goats, men servants and maidservants. Now I'm sending this message to my Lord that I may find favor in your eyes. When the messengers returned to Jacob, they said, we went to your brother Esau, and now he's coming to meet you, and 400 men are with him. (laughs) Verse 7, in great fear and distress, Jacob divided the people who were with him into two groups, and the flocks and herds and camels as well. He thought if Esau comes and attacks one group, the group that is left may escape. Then Jacob prayed, here's his prayer. Here's one of the first actual true organized prayers in the Bible. Then Jacob prayed, O God, my father, pardon me, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, O Lord, who said to me, go back to your country and your relatives, and I will make you prosper, or it will go well with you. I am worthy, I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan. But now I've become two groups. Save me. Your Bible might say, deliver me from, I pray, or I beseech thee, from the hand of my brother Esau. For I am, what's your Bible say? Afraid he will come and attack me. And also the mother, the mothers with their children. But you've said, I will surely make you prosper and will make your descendants like the sand of the sea which cannot be counted. Now, what can we learn from that prayer? A couple things. First off, fear is going to automatically seek a solution. What did he do? He He wanted to save some of this stuff and some of the people. So he took it upon himself to try to fix things or, or just at least have a partial salvation. And so he split things in half, right? He made two camps. His fear caused him to act 
which is very normal with us because when we fear something, automatically, especially men, we want to fix it. We want to get in there. We want to straighten it out, organize it, get it settled so we can go on. And we might settle for a partial fix. That's what he did. But there's something else. See, fear tries to find, tries to make a way of escape. He did all he could do based on his fear, but there was, that wasn't going to be enough because Esau was coming to kill. And he took it, he, the fear led him to do this, take this action. But there's something else fear does. Oftentimes, it drives us to our knees to prayer. Fear sometimes does that. I know that fear and faith can't, they say can't exist in the same place, but fear can make us think about our faith and draw us to our knees. And that's what happened to Jacob. In his fear, he did what this I would call a beseeching prayer. When he said, save us, I pray. That's, I beseech you. I'm crying out. I'm really pleading with you, and I'm really afraid, and God, please help us. This is a beseeching prayer. Now, what do we do? How can, what can I learn from this to help my personal prayer life, especially when I'm dealing with fear? Because let me tell you, fear is ever-present. You've heard it said that fear is told in the Bible, don't, don't be afraid 365 times. You know that fear is something we all deal, deal with. So how, what can I learn from this message? Well, number one, be alert. You're going to try to fix things on your own. Number two, it'll drive, it will drive you to your knees because it could be your last recourse and your last hope. Finally, you're coming to God, even with that fear. Now, pray. Here's the first thing. Pray your personal connection. Well, what do I mean by that? Let's look back in verse 9. When Jacob prayed, he prayed to God, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, O Lord, that's a personal name, that's Jehovah, O Lord, who said to me, he's telling me, I have a personal relationship with you, and you've spoken to me, and you've talked to me, and I have a personal connection with God. God is alive. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob is alive and well. And pray your personal connection with him. And Jesus taught us this. This will be way down the road if we stick with portraits of prayer. But it's the model prayer. The first words are our Father. Pray your personal connection. Start there. Who you are, who he is, how he's worked, how he's worked in your life, how he's spoken to you in your life. Our Father. You can get hung on that for a long time thinking about our Father. Jesus made a way for me to come before God. Our Father, the creator of heaven and earth. Thinking about what Mary said about the Son and how the universe is all put together. Our Father did that. Our Father named all the stars in heaven. Our Father. So pray your personal connection, who you are and who your Father is. Secondly, recount God's promises. Verse 9 again, where it says... When, O oh Lord, you said to me, go back to your country and your relatives and I will make you prosper. That really means that I'm really going to break out in your life in an amazing way. You obey my word and I'm going to break out into your life. Recount God's promises. Genesis 31.3 says this. Read this. Genesis 31.3. Then, the then the Lord said to Jacob, go back to the land of your fathers and to your relatives and I will be with you. Is that a significant promise? Is that all I need, just to know that God's going to be with me? Pray your personal connection, but also recount God's promises in your life. Here's a common psalm that we'll turn to in times of great distress. I remember 9-11 when that happened. And this psalm was a favorite of many a uh, Christian at that time, 
9-11, um, probably since it's been written, it's been one of our favorite psalms. It's Psalm 46. I'm going to read all of it. But it's praying and recounting God's promises and praying your personal connection. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. You ever heard that? Therefore, we will not, what? Fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, Selah. What do you think about that? There is a river, I love that, whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. Listen to this. The Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he's brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Recount God's promise. When you're in a time of desperation, distress, fear, You're going to deal with it. You can't escape it. Don't forget the promise of God. He's with you. He's present. So pray your personal connection. Recount God's promises. I'm learning some about Jacob's prayer. That's what I've called this message, Jacob's prayer. What can I learn from it? Remember my father. Remember he's always with me. God is always with me through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Thirdly, I've been listening to Billy Graham again, you can tell. I'm I'm not getting a southern accent, though. But he goes, fourthly. And fifthly, and sixthly, and seven, he even goes seventh. He has seven points. And all these people get saved. What am I doing wrong here? Anyway, humble yourself before God. Let's look at verse 10, this beautiful prayer. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you've shown your what? Servant. Humble yourself before God. Not worthy means little or small. I'm, I'm just not as big as I think I am. You know, the old get off your high horse. James 4, 6 says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Isaiah 61, 2b says, this is the one I esteem, God's talking, the one is humble and contrite of heart and trembles at my word, one of my favorite verses. God pours into those lives. Humble your, come before God with that, not that you're nobody or worthless, but that you're just so thankful because humility really is expressed in gratitude. I mean, that's what I'm thinking. Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing but in everything with prayer and petition by thanksgiving. Make your requests known to God. Be thankful. Oh, God, you're so good to me. Even when I crossed over the, the Jordan with just the staff and now look what you've done. I'm so thankful, so grateful for your loving kindness, for your goodness. You've humbled yourself. Humble yourself by being thankful to God. Try it. In verse 10, I really like this. I, I thought about it and studied about it for quite a while, where it said that he had only had his staff. Well, at that time, a staff had a, oftentimes kept a record of the family history. And that's all he had going across the Jordan, just the staff. 
the fear of, of his brother going to hunt him down and his family history with him and what God had done. What God had done with Abraham called him out and said, Abraham, look at the stars of the sky. It's going to be like your, your family, the seed that you're going to have. And Abraham believed him and God counted his righteousness for Abraham. Because on that staff, what happened in the family? And so he's thinking about, now, look how God blessed me while I was with, what, what Laban, Laban, Laboon, Laban. I'll never get that. I've got some linguistical problems, and that's one of them. Beyond the staff, where you had nothing, God, be thankful. for. Just take time to thank God. Thank you, God, for my daily bread. Thank you, God, for forgiveness. Thank you, God, that you cared so much for me to send your son Jesus to die for my sins. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And guess what happens? You humble yourself. Wow, I'm so undeserving of this. Was it Dave Ramsey would, he would say, how you doing? Better than I deserve. That's a fact. We're doing, God's so good. Now, C.H. Spurgeon was a great preacher back in the day. They say he was great. I thought he was very interesting. And I don't know what, I, would, I think we need to be careful. We say we're great because Jesus is great. We're just servants. But anyway, he said this, no prayer speed better to the heights than those are, that are from the depths. I'm going to say that again. I like it. No prayer speed better to the heights. That means get up to heaven faster than those which are from the depths. When you really humble yourself before God with thanksgiving, remember your connection. Recount his promises. Humble yourself before God. And then there's another one. Is this fourthly? Make your specific request. Look at verse 11. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau for I am afraid. Specific request, and he's honest. Please deliver me. Please help me through this. Have you ever done something that you, it was really stupid and it's going to cause you a lot of grief? No, nobody here has. And, you know, or, or you were that teenager, that young 20-something, and you're out in the backyard, bleh, bleh, get me out of this. I'll never do it again, Lord. Anybody identify with that? I'm really starting to get close to you then. Some are going, no, I never, but I know not me. Save me. Deliver me. Please, God, for I am afraid. Face up the fact. Some are so mad, and we're, I'll never be afraid. Look at my belt buckle. It's just, I'm just, <laughs> save me. No. A specific request, but not only that, in that specific request, be honest. You know, he said, he was honest. I'm afraid. Be honest with God because he already knows. He knows. Just voice it and confess it, but pray, make your specific request. Now, the final one, I don't remember if it was fifthly. I think it's fifthly. And it's amazing what we can get out of this section of Scripture, but there's something. Did, did I say something, honey? Okay, anyway. Um, I'm going to go over these real quick. Pray your personal connection. Recount God's promises. Humble yourself before God. Make your specific request. And the final one I think is so good as I was looking at this. In verse 12, but you have said, that's past tense, right? I will surely make you prosper and will make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. And let me look. I'm going to show you a couple of things here. I'm going to go to, and if you want, I'll call out the, the chapter 15, verse 5. 
chapter 15, verse 5. Just listen to this because I'm giving my last point, which is a really good one. I'm going to try to keep your attention by holding off and saying it. God took Abraham outside and said, look up at the stars and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to them, so shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Uh, 26.4. I think I got a typo here, so I'm not going to say that one. It's very embarrassing when you have the wrong scripture verse. So I always double-check everything, but I could blame it on age, but I will. Okay, so 26.4. Genesis 26, 4. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. He's talking to Isaac. He first talked to Abraham. Now he's talking to Isaac. And I will give them all these lands. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed me, kept my requirements, my commands, my decrees, and my laws. So Abraham, Isaac stayed in Gerar. So there's another scripture with a promise. Let's go to 28. 28. 28. 13 through 15, Lord, let it be right. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. This is to Jacob. What is happening? God's making a promise, and here's what God's telling us through the Jacob's prayer is when you pray, you pray Scripture. Pray Scripture. That's what he did here. He Wait a minute. Look what he said. But you said, you've said to Abraham and to Isaac and to me, I surely will make you prosper and will make your descendants like the sea of the sand, which cannot be counted. God's going to see me through. I'm praying Scripture. What's your favorite Scripture? Pray it. Here's mine. Do not grow weary in doing good for at the proper time you reap a harvest if you do not give up. That's a pastor's favorite scripture pray that pray it find your favorite scripture that's what i got from this oh that's just add some of this to your your prayer life try realize about fear and let fear ignite your prayer life if it comes up comes up pray your personal connection recount god's promises humble yourself before god make your specific request and pray scripture now we're going to flip over to genesis 33 1 through 4 and watch this is amazing I skipped Jacob wrestling with God because I thought that that prayer earlier in chapter 32 was very significant for us to look at. I'm hoping to look at the prayer in Exodus next week, one of my favorite sections of Scripture. But anyway, verse 30, I'm sorry, chapter 33, verse 1. Jacob looked up, and there was Esau coming with his 400 men. Now, Jacob's prayed up, baby. He's prayed up. He prayed Scripture. He remembers the promises of God. I'm sure he did. I know he was probably shaking a little bit, thinking this is it. But I got I got things divided up good. One of them make it through. He was coming with his 400 men, so he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two maidservants. He put the maidservants and their children in front, Leah and her children next, and Rachel and Joseph in the rear. Benjamin hadn't been born yet, so there's 11 children. He himself went on ahead and bowed down to the ground seven times as he approached his brother. But Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him, He threw his arms around his neck and kissed him, and they wept. Then Esau looked up and saw the women and children. Who are these with you, he said. Jacob answered, they are the children of God that God has graciously graciously given your servant. Wow. God was working way ahead of him, wasn't he? Well, there you have Jacob's prayer. I hope you can add something to your prayer life this week.